Welcome to the show and a good Tuesday Eve to you. Mark Aram here, you there. It's 708, 8 after 7. This is the Mark Aram Show, heard Monday through Friday, 7 to 9 p.m. on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. The gang's all here tonight and then some. Buford produces the show, Longoria, and that stoic Eskimo work ethic on the other side of the takeout window. Somewhere back there screening the calls, Low T Chuck. Low. This is a special edition of the Mark Aram Show. Election night coverage begins now here on WSB Radio. We'll have you covered throughout the evening, throughout the overnight. And of course, complete results tomorrow morning on Atlanta's Morning News uh, with Scott Slade starting at 4.30 a.m. A lot of big local elections. Probably the biggest is the race for Atlanta mayor. A couple of national races we're following. The governor's races in both New Jersey and Virginia. We have you covered locally and nationally. We'll kick off our coverage with uh, the conservative Viking, Eric Erickson, who was kind enough to hang out in the palatial WSB studios a little bit longer after the evening news. How you doing, Eric? I'm well. I appreciate your live studio audience. It's, it's massive, isn't it? Huge. Yeah. Well, they, you know, they keep everyone cordoned off when you're doing the show. Yeah. But they remove the velvet I, look, ropes. I, I hate people. I don't like to see them. <laughs> uh, someone we love to have on election night coverage, uh, Democratic strategist Theron Johnson joins us again on the Mark Aram Show. How are you, sir? Doing great. It's been a while. Yeah, I know. I'm glad you guys called me back. It's good to be here. Absolutely. We'd love to have your perspective. And I want to start with your perspective. Uh, we will hear from Greg Bluestein from the AJC and Bill Crane, our political analyst as well. I want to mention that. Uh, the Atlanta mayor's race. I, I voted this morning. And, I mean, the name recognition down the ballot is huge. These were, like, a lot of legitimate candidates, but only two are going to survive, I think, by the end of tonight. We'll have a runoff. Let's talk about the the candidate pool uh, on the Atlanta mayor's race. That's a deep, solid pool of candidates up. Well, the one good thing is that we're going to have a uh, really good opportunity to choose between two people, I believe, in the runoff. I mean, everyone who's running for mayor are people who are well qualified and, quite frankly, just spend a lot of time uh, sharing their vision with the voters of the city of Atlanta. Uh, Like you, Mark, I went in early this morning as well. And just looking at the amount of people that were on the ballot, um, for those undecided voters, I think name recognition and a lot of the surge that we've seen in the last few days is going to play a great deal. Uh, one of the things that was very interesting is that you have members of council who are running, but mm-hmm. you have people who have never had office before. You have people who are uh, from neighborhoods, but you also have people who are from the business community. You have an openly LGBTQ uh, candidate in the race, and then you have a folks that have actually never run for office uh, in, this, in a citywide election. You have people who've been elected on the ballot four times citywide. So this was definitely a very uh, robust group of candidates, but I think ultimately what it's going to come down to is who had the best campaign, who, be- who built the best biracial bipartisan coalition across mm-hmm. the city of Atlanta, and did they turn out their voters today? And I think that's what we'll see uh, going into the runoff. If you handed me this ballot two years ago, I would have said, I can see eight of these people 
that that could win the mayoral race. I mean, that that's that's how solid these candidates are going up to the election. We assume it's going to be a runoff between which two candidates there. Well, if you look at the recent polling, uh, public polling, and you also look at some of the internal polling that I've been uh, able to access, it definitely looks like it's going to be a runoff between Mary Norwood and Keisha Lance Bottoms. However, um, what's going to be very important is to see um, what happens as far as the precincts on the north side of town, particularly in Council District 7 and 8. Mm-hmm. We know that there was a big turnout in Council Districts 10 and 11, which is on the southwest side of Atlanta. Uh, they were the top two, um, one of the top two uh, uh, council districts that voted in early voting. But right now, if everything sort of plans out the way that we've seen in the polling, and from what I'm gathering from both campaigns, it definitely looks like it's going to be a Mary Norwood, Keisha Lance Bottoms runoff. I heard from behind the scenes from a, a number of these campaigns that uh, they were upset that that people polling low didn't drop out to kind of consolidate a vote. Uh, But it's tough to tell a Vincent Ford, a Kwanzaa Hall, a Cesar Mitchell, a John Eves to, hey, bag it, you know, because, I mean, these are legitimate political figures. Uh, Are you surprised that there wasn't uh, a large number of drop-offs and and get that uh, voting coalition together? Yeah, not at all. I mean, once um, all these people qualified, uh, these are all credible people who have a career of a public service, uh, who had a vision wanting to become the 60th mayor of the city of Atlanta. Uh, but what's going to be very important, Mark, is whoever the two candidates are that go to the runoff, pay very close attention to their speech tonight. And if it's not one of consolidation, of unity, let's all band together to fight for you know change and fight for justice for this great city that we all love that's going to be really key tonight because the people who do not make the runoff they're going to have about 72 hours of just being inundated with calls from the two people who actually makes the runoff so uh, you got to treat those people very kindly eric uh let me ask you i know you you focus on statewide races and national races and you've you've got amazing contacts um mary norwood in in 09 i think was the last time she ran the Democratic Party put a lot of money against her, mm-hmm. labeling her as a conservative, as a Republican. Has she, has she seen conservative donations this go around? Any any support from the Republican community? Is that is that a fair way to describe? Yeah, it? Yeah, I mean, she. It's a technically nonpartisan race, and she is perceived by most as the person furthest to the right in the race, and she's not all that right, but she's definitely probably to the right of everyone else. She's perceived as the Republican candidate, and I think that probably is right, just uh, given her former tenure in office and everything else. That, that's that's her constituency group. If, if she makes the runoff, uh, say, against uh, Keisha Lance Bottoms, could we see Republican money come into this race supporting her? Yeah, Yes, but it'll just be used to attack her. Um, I, I mean, I, I really think that whoever is the other party in the runoff has the advantage, just like we saw with Kasim Reed. All right. Eric, let's talk about the uh, the, the state races in uh, Virginia and New Jersey. Uh, are these as important, uh, these governor races, important as, as we're led to believe? Well, Democrats will tell you yes, and Republicans will tell you no. Mm-hmm. Um, they will be viewed as rebukes of the president. Uh, honestly, I think the only person who comes out a winner tonight is the president, because if if Ed Gillespie, for example, loses in Virginia, he can say, well, this state uh, went for Hillary Clinton. If Ed Gillespie wins, he gets to say, well, look, our, our campaign message is working. Um, the, the, you can't read too much into special elections. However, uh, a, an aggressive 
massive rally by anti-Trump voters in Virginia uh, that makes a wide race is probably a good sign for the Democrats next year. If it's actually a close race in Virginia, considering Gillespie has never been ahead in any polling, uh, he's gotten close but hasn't been ahead, uh, Republicans will take some lessons from it of how to rally their voters in other states that went for Trump where you've got Senate Democrats up for re-election in 2018. Virginia was the, was the only Southern state not to vote Trump, right? In the, right. Uh, in the, and so, it was close. And it was close. So I, I agree with you. If, if Gillespie does win in Virginia, I, I think that we'll, we'll see um, you know, a lot of banner waving from, from the Trump headquarters, the White House saying, hey, you know, we're, our message is working. This is a state we lost in right. the presidential election. Yeah, they, you know, the fun thing for both sides is they both get to overread too much into a Virginia election, uh, just as Democrats did with Terry McAuliffe uh, winning while Barack Obama was president. Uh, the fact of the matter is that McAuliffe, uh, he ran a great campaign and out fundraised the other side. Uh, and as well, the Republicans were shooting themselves in the foot. And the Democrats have been shooting themselves in the foot with Northam, who was a Republican up until about four years ago. I want to ask you about New Jersey in just a second. But we have breaking news from uh, WSB Sports Director Jay Black joining us live on the line. Jay, the latest college football playoff uh, rankings are out. Give us some news, my friend. And the number one team in the country remains the Georgia Bulldogs. Georgia holds on to its top spot with the new college football playoff rankings out with Alabama number two, Notre Dame three, and Clemson four. So after a wild weekend of college football, the top four remain the same with the dogs on top. Dogs on top, Bama second, Notre Dame, who the Bulldogs beat earlier this season three, and uh, Clemson, our neighbors to the north, fourth. Jay, there's plenty of election night pizza. I'll make sure you have uh, an assortment of slices tomorrow morning on Atlanta's Morning News with Scott Slade. Cheese and pepperoni are good. All right, there you go. WSB Sports Director Jay Black with the update. Go dogs. Go yeah, dogs, amazing. Now Alabama can spend some more time sorting out that family tree. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go to New Jersey. Uh, blue state traditionally. Yeah, northeast. I mean, but Chris Christie's been the mayor. I mean, the governor there. What, what do we see listen, there? <laughs> Chris Christie's lieutenant governor, who is running to replace him, has run against Chris Christie. <laughs> yeah. Um, you're you're not going to see a Republican pick up the seat just because Chris Christie has so weighed down that governor's office with scandal and ego and everything else. Um, you can't read anything into the New Jersey race other than what a disaster Chris Christie has been these last four years as governor. Now, I know there's been, you know, with the tax plan that's that's been announced, uh, a lot of my friends in the Northeast um, are, are not happy because they pay exorbitant uh, property taxes in, right. in New Jersey and New York. Any impact on the election there, the, the thought that they're going to get hammered if that deduction goes away? Yeah, no, I mean, the, you're talking about areas where Republicans typically don't perform well anyway, so they don't really care when it comes to the tax reform issue. I, I think the Republicans have a big problem with tax reform from conservatives right now on some of what they're doing, including the adoption tax credit and some of the, the business credits not treating LLCs the same as corporations. That's going to be a campaign issue. Ted Poe from Texas, another ranking Republican out of Texas, has decided tonight to call it quits and say he's retiring. I think Republicans need to be looking at the mass exodus of Republicans from Congress saying, what the heck is happening? It's probably not good. I'm ready to retire. Eric Erickson, Theron Johnson, election night coverage continues here on WSB. Still to come, Greg Bluestein from the Atlanta Journal of Constitution, WSB political analyst Bill Crane. I'll be in contact with Jamie Dupree in D.C. as well throughout the show. Uh, election night 2017 continues on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Welcome back to the show, 724, 72 degrees on Peachtree. Well, it's a summer's eve out there. 
in November. I know. So. Crazy. Weird election night in November. We got you covered. Soup to nuts throughout the overnight hours. And then, of course, the uh, final results tomorrow morning on Atlanta's Morning News with Scott Slade. And 24-hour coverage online at WSBRadio.com. Back to the Atlanta mayor's race there. And Johnson, Democratic strategist, joins us in studio. Let, let's talk briefly, if you don't mind, about the endorsements going into this. Uh, Vincent Fort gets the uh, Bernie Sanders endorsement, which I would think would be a big deal. But he didn't. He didn't seem to get a bump in the polls from that. He didn't. But you know, it was it was really significant because I mean, Bernie Sanders is a former uh, presidential candidate and maybe a future presidential mm-hmm. candidate. And so, while it wasn't reflected in the poll numbers, I do think that it created a high level of excitement amongst young voters, uh, particularly millennials, uh, who supported Bernie Sanders not only in his election but supported him here in Georgia as well. Mayor Kasim Reed's had his issues with John Eve, Caesar Mitchell. He came out and endorsed uh, Keisha Lance Bottoms. She definitely got a boost in the polls from that endorsement, right? Absolutely. I mean, what is really uh, rare is to have an incumbent mayor who's been on, um, who's been serving for eight years, still be above sixty percent approval rating. And what we saw is that it was a combination of Keisha's surge and her commitment to uh, targeted data and, and, and activating her voters, but then to then have Mayor Reed come on and endorse definitely gave her a bump. Was that a surprise with Democratic insiders? Did did everyone know that he was going to endorse uh, endorse Keisha? Yeah, I mean, it was pretty uh, clear that it was really on about two to three people that he would endorse. I mean, it was he definitely had a good relationship, working relationship with Peter Amon, who was his chief operating officer. Uh, and Kwanzaa Hall was someone who had been a uh, supportive of his on the council, and they uh, had spent a lot of time together. Uh, but ultimately, I think he felt that Keisha Lance Bottoms was the best person to go on to try to become mayor. If we see a, a two-woman runoff, which would be uh, pretty interesting, with Keisha Lance Bottoms and Mary Norwood, do we see the, the other candidates that don't make the runoff uh, go behind a candidate and, and give their endorsement to a certain candidate? Mark, I can't tell you how important that is. You know, whoever doesn't make the runoff today, they're going to need um, a little bit of time to kind of just gather their thoughts and, mm-hmm. and get over the loss. But what's so important is how the two individuals who make the runoff, how they contact them, uh, what how the conversations are, and if you can actually get them to endorse, that is the type of momentum you want to have with only 28 days to go uh, before the election. And so endorsements are going to play a key role from the people who ran for mayor but did, did not make the runoff. I'm curious to see if Caesar and John will endorse <laughs> uh, the candidate that the mayor endorsed because th- there's no love lost there. This, this was a little uh, interesting lead up to the election. All right, we'll continue our election coverage. The ATL mayor, we've got other races in the state we need to update you on. Yes, Longoria. Yes. And of course, the sure. Virginia and the New Jersey governor's race as well. Uh, coming up next segment, Bill Crane, WSB political analyst, will join us. And Blue Greg Steen. Bluestein Blue from Steen. the Atlanta. I was getting there, guys. Yeah, okay. It's called, you know, extending the... Uh, teasing us. Teasing us, yeah. Uh, Greg Bluestein from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. We'll come back on Twitter and Instagram at Mark Aram. This is Election Night Coverage on The Mark Aram Show. Hey, this is Rosie Perez, and you're listening to The Mark Aram Show. Born in 
the red, the white, and the blue. Welcome back to the show, 737-23 in front of 8 o'clock. Mark Aram with you till 8 p.m. tonight. Then Chris Chandler and the news team will take over election result coverage here on WSB Radio. Everybody on board, uh, Buford, Loti, and Longoria. Loti, I ain't seen you all day. Where you, where you been, man? Yeah, I'm talking I'm to just you. Here. I'm just here. <laughs> I'm nothing. letting you do your thing. Uh, my, well, my thing involves you, dude. I need, I, I need On that. election night? Yes, I need Very you for rarely. inspiration. Okay. I say, look at that beard. It's getting pretty bushy. Yeah, that's, uh, that's an election night must is chuck's beard anyway <laughs> it is musty. uh democratic strategist theron johnson joins us in studio we're monitoring of course the atlanta mayor's race um and and statewide races and a lot of a lot of races there's a lot of races going on we just got a whole lot of races greg bluestein from the atlanta journal constitution joins us as well covering a lot of races in uh metro atlanta and north georgia how are you gregory i'm doing great only my mom calls me <laughs> nice. uh, another night another election <laughs> where are you uh, where are you stationed right now my friend I'm sitting right outside of uh, Mary Norwood's campaign party at 103 West. She doesn't get here for another hour or so, um, but I'm I'm here early, ready for uh, ready for what the night might bring. Optimistic, I would imagine the Norwood camp right now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think their strategists think it would be a shock. It would it would take you know some sort of you know crazy low turnout upheaval for her not to make it into a runoff. She finished the 2009 race with. You know, high 40s of the vote. Um, she's fallen this this race, but even the last poll showed her in the, in the 20s with the double digit lead over her her nearest competitor, uh, other than Keisha Lance Bottoms, which was Peter Amon. So she, they're they're pretty confident coming into tonight. Well, speaking of turnout, what what do we know now? Any any projections on on uh, what turnout will be today? Uh, I've heard everything from really bad low turnout. To, uh, you know, it might be a little surprising that it's a little above uh, what 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 uh, people predicted. We know that early voting was um, was about twenty thousand early votes. Um, you know, we're we're not expecting any crazy amount of turnout in this race. All the campaigns have said that their entire strategy is premised on getting their most devoted and dedicated, uh, uh, you know, voters to, to turn out, and they're not going to worry about you know some of these luring over some of these undecideds in this last you know few days. Greg Bluestein from the Atlanta Journal Constitution joins us on the Mark. Show in the last two weeks or so, guy. I'll, I'll throw this out to you, Theron, as well. Last two weeks or so, I started seeing TV spots for state senate seats. What, what's going on there? What what should we be watching for tonight on the state senate side? Yeah, you have a. Uh, oh, got to pop that mic on right there. Longoria is at the. Uh, Longoria. All right, go yeah. ahead. So you have a very competitive uh, state senate seat, uh, District Six, which is a senate seat that uh, had Hunter Hill, who was a Republican state senator, who now wants to run for governor, and so. Um, you had that going on. You also have the, the Senate seat uh, for State uh, Senator Vincent Ford, who mm-hmm. vacated his seat to run for mayor of Atlanta. And so this is a very interesting special election uh, where Republicans and Democrats have put up some really good candidates. Uh, they had a very short time to get ready for this uh, election because um, the special elections were called once the people qualified or decided they were going to run for office. And so um, it's it's really important for Democrats because there is a supermajority right now in the state Senate uh, with Republicans. And so if Democrats Democrats can pick up, uh, hold on to one of the seats and maybe pick up the seat in District 6. Uh, that would be a very important win for them. D- District 6, Greg, any any other state Senate races we should be watching? 
Yeah, well, the District 6 one is, is I think, the most important for Democrats. And as, as Theron mentioned, Hunter Hill held that seat for a few terms, but he narrowly, he only narrowly held it in, in, in November, last November. Um, Hillary Clinton actually won that district. So Democrats have that at the top of their list. Um, and then really the other fascinating part about this is there's actually nine states, uh, special elections, state legislative special elections. Um, most of them are House seats. But Democrats have contenders for every single one of them, uh, many for the first time since they were redrawn in 2012. That doesn't seem like a big deal, but for the Democrats it is because, you know, in some of these races last year, they didn't even put, put up token opposition and uh, or, or they barely put up opposition, you know, unfunded uh, candidates. And they almost won some of those the, those seats where they, they only put up, you know, uh, a, a candidate who ran basically a Facebook campaign. So Democrats hope that this is a prelude to what could be next year, uh, much more vigorous challenges. I, I talked at the top of the show, going back to the uh, mayoral race here in Atlanta, Greg. Um, there are some heavy hitters on the ballot. I mean, I went to the, I voted this morning a little after 10. Voter turnout was kind of light then, but it usually is. That's, that's traditionally when I vote, yeah. when I get off in the mornings. Um, but just looking at the ballots, like these are, these are high powered political names in, in Atlanta politics and, and, and Fulton County. And I, I was just kind of impressed by the, by the stacked lineup I had to choose from today. Yeah. I think that's what makes it so hard for some voters, Mark. I mean, you've got eight candidates who have either elected experience or significant government experience who are all running. They're all trying to, you know, to, to, to get a slice of, of, of largely the same electorates. Um, and so it's really, it's really crowded. And, and that's why I've talked to a lot of voters who, who said, you know, I, I, I came to vote today just, just because I wanted to vote, but I'm really focused on the runoff because that's where they'll, they'll, it'll be, you know, they'll be able to sharpen their focus. What we haven't talked about there is the, uh, the city council president uh, vacancy, um, what, what do we expect to, in, to see in that race? Well, this race is very interesting because you got uh, three uh, former now council members in Felicia Moore, C.T. Martin, and Alex Wan, all current council members but will become former council members at the end of their term. And this is a race that really is interesting because um, you have C.T. Martin, who's been, who was the dean of the city council, who's uh, the longest-serving person on the council, but you have someone in the city councilwoman, Felicia Moore, who has been a uh, a person who takes pride in op- opposing almost everything that this current mayor, Mayor Reed, um, has tried to get through, uh, and has a he has a very strong following. But then you have Alex Wan, who's an LGBTQ Asian uh, citizen uh, who represents a very uh, robust uh, district as far as neighborhoods, as far as diversity, and so this is a race that really. Uh, is is one to watch. I predict that that one will probably also go to a runoff, mm-hmm. but it really mm-hmm. depends on the turnout. Um, but that race, along with the mayor's race, uh, they were sort of piggyback on one another because they're, they're going to be going after the same amount of voters. Uh, Greg, let me ask you the question I asked uh, earlier. Um, the endorsement of, of Mayor Reed uh, to Keisha Lance Bottoms kind of catapulted her up into the, the top tier of the candidates. Um, you've, been, you've been covering politics here in Georgia for a long time. Um, have you ever seen a bump like that from a single endorsement? Yeah, I mean, it really did seem to crystallize the field. And, and, and the mayor has also not been afraid even before that to use his, his, his political pulpit to attack any candidates who, who, who dared, you know, criticize him. Um, so you already saw him, you know, going after John Eves, the Fulton County, former Fulton County Commission chair, and, and ex-state Senator Vincent Ford, who's, who's always been a favorite foil of, of the mayor's. Um, but I think Norwood supporters hope that this is a sort of double-edged sword going into the runoff, because because the mayor has attacked so many uh, of the other contenders, Cesar Mitchell being one of them as mm-hmm. well. Um, she's going to go after 
some of their supporters saying, why would you support, you know, a mayor? I, I can't, uh, you know, why would you support Bottoms, um, who's endorsed by a mayor who attacked you? So it'll be interesting to see, you know, how far that goes. I talked to a lot of voters who, who could care less about the mayor's endorsement, who just said they wanted to vote for someone who, in their words, was a strong family woman and a strong Democrat. That, that's what I said last segment. You know, you've got Eves Fort and Mitchell who— um, uh, who who aren't exactly warm and fuzzy with the mayor right now? Would they support or throw their support around uh, back behind the, uh, the mayoral choice of Keisha Lance Bottoms, or might they they go the Norwood way? Which I think if if Mary Norwood doesn't want to repeat of 09th there, and she's going to need some some of these uh, endorsements from the candidates that don't make the runoff. Absolutely, I mean Mary Norwood in in 2009 when we ran against her, she had this message of her being purple. You know, there was a lot of talk about whether she was a Democrat or Republican. And keep in mind, Mark, this is a year where the American people had elected its first African-American president mm-hmm. in the United States. Well, we now have another president in the White House right now. And so the, the fact is, is will uh, Mary Norwood clearly define herself, whether she is a Democrat or whether she's Republican? I just don't think that the purple message will work. But what's also going to be very important is, as I said before, the temperament, the tone in the speeches tonight. Let's just assume that Mary Norwood and Keisha Lance Bottoms are going to make the runoff. Will Mary Norwood publicly reach out to Democrats? Will mm-hmm. she also reach out mm-hmm. to Republicans and ask them to join her in the campaign? And I think Keisha Lance Bottoms, if she's a nominee uh, tonight on the Democratic side to go to the runoff while this is nonpartisan, she's also got to have a appealing message to progressive white Democrats. And she's got to have a message to some of these moderate Republicans who live in the city as well. Greg, do you think we'll see if it, if it is uh, Norwood Bottoms in the runoff, will we see Republican money come in on behalf of Mary Norwood? Yeah, that'll be interesting to see because there's a tremendous amount of Democratic money already spent against Norwood. I mean, in the 2009 runoff, Democrats waited till the runoff to spend more than $160,000 to kind of label her as a closet Republican. In this race, they started really early. It started back in October uh, with a website calling her Mary the Republican. Now she she countered that with a with a, her own website that said Mary, you know, you know, Mary listed Mary and her Democratic supporters. Um, but I think there's going to be a flood of, of Democratic cash to sort of keep this race in Democratic hands. As the state party says, this would be the first time that. Atlanta would have a mayor who is not identified as a Democrat, even though it's a nonpartisan office. That's, That's interesting. Let me jump in there for a second, Greg, because the, the, yeah. the Keisha spots that have been running, uh, you know, they have they have these, quote, voters in the streets. And one of them says she's a Democrat. That's important. Why is Mary Norwood running as independent? Why is she not running as a Democrat and and take that weapon off the table from her opposition? Well, I'll, I'll jump in here. I think yeah, that I think the challenges and Greg, I'll be short so you can go. I think if you really look at uh, Mary Norwood's staff, if you look at her donors, mm-hmm. um, it's it, while her donors are very citywide. But if you look at the makeup of her staff and quite frankly, how she hasn't really come out and said that she's a Democrat uh, and refused to answer the question when they asked her to denounce President Trump at a forum, I think one can sort of assume that she's a Republican. But the but the challenge is, is that while we are in a red state, this is still a 65 percent plus Democratic city. Mm-hmm. And so while it's nonpartisan, I still think the Democrat versus Republican message is going to be very prevalent. It, in this it, runoff. it was clear for sure leading up. We got to step away. Edgar Trey gets live in the news center is going to have an election day update for you. We'll come back. Uh, Greg Bluestein, Theron Johnson, Bill Crane's going to join us fresh off of a TV spot upstairs. WSB political analyst. We'll come back. Our election night coverage continues next on the Mark Aram show.
Welcome back to the show, 754, 6 in front of 8 o'clock. Chris Chandler is going to take over coverage at 8 p.m. Joining me live in studio, Theron Johnson, Bill Crane, and on the uh, line from the Mary Norwood camp at 103 West, which ironically I just got an email from them during the break, uh, Greg. They're having a Thanksgiving special there. If you don't have Thanksgiving Ooh. dinner plans, 103 West will be open. Uh, let, me, let me go to you, Bill. Uh, Fulton County, what are we focusing on in Fulco? Well, you have a chairman's race that has been almost invisible, but for yard signs, there wasn't a lot of paid media. Uh, there's been a lot of web traffic, but you've got what is essentially a three-way a three-way race, where you have uh, longtime Fulton County government and former Atlanta City Councilman um, uh, Rob Pitts, Pitts against Gabe Sterling, who is a much more recently elected Sandy Springs City Councilman. And Keisha Shane uh, Sean White waits, which essentially you got two Democrats and a Republican, the two Democrats taking away votes from each other, forcing a runoff that is probably between Rob Pitts and again Gabe Sterling. Gabe's going to do very well in North Fulton, not so much between Buckhead South, and it makes for an interesting runoff in December because it's going to be purely turnout and an extremely low turnout election. There'll also be a runoff going on for mayor where I do believe Keisha Lance Bottoms will be in a race with Mary Norwood, and it'll be interesting to see if those two campaigns sort of pair off and try to build turnout machines together or not. Any regret from John Eves for, for vacating? I, you know, watching the debate here at Channel 2, I felt for him because he had some of the better answers and some deep and independent thought compared to the field. He's mm-hmm. not a city government official. He's not connecting. I can't tell you why he's not connecting. He's not connecting in a big way with donors. He's not connecting in a big way with voters. But he's been a very effective force in lowering temperatures and getting things done in Fulton County government. Uh, real quick, Greg Bluestein, AJC, what time do you think we'll, we'll know about a runoff? What time are you expecting the results to, to really solidify tonight? Good question. I'm hoping nine, but that's not going to happen. <laughs> uh, I'm uh, you know, with Fulton County's notoriously slow in, in getting results in. You know, it could be close to midnight, unfortunately. All right, Gregory. I love. Call- I'm going to call you Gregory from now on. <laughs> I hate you. Me and your mom, Gregory. I, I like Bluestein tall blue <laughs> from the AJC. <laughs> Bill Crane, WSB Political Analyst, Theron Johnson, Democratic Strategist. Gentlemen, thank you, one and all. Um, I'm sure they're going to be dipping into all of you guys for uh, coverage. Updates throughout the evening. It will continue here tonight through the overnight hours. Chris Chandler will hand it off to Mark Aylwine, who then handle off to Scott Slade. Atlanta's morning news starting at 4.30 a.m. We'll connect on uh, social media. We can continue the conversation there on Twitter at Mark Aram, Facebook Mark Aram WSB, Instagram Mark Aram. News, weather, and traffic next. This was the Mark Aram Show. Swing around like you stupid. King of the town. Yeah, I've been that. You know I where you and your men's at. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.